Welcome to Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. I'm your host, Luke Seibert. Let's explore more of what it means to live out the gospel by clinging to the Word and to one another. Welcome back. Here we are at another week, continuing on with the podcast, and we're learning about studying the Word of God, and specifically how to study an epistle and using 1 Corinthians as an example of that. As we've been walking through this first chapter, Paul's been laying the foundation, pointing to the centrality of Christ in, in all of life, and he begins then to transition into dealing with this issue of disunity that erupted into the local, that come into the local church, and he's calling them back to focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And he was using his own example of his own ministry when he was among them, how he's saying he wasn't getting distracted by secondary things. He was remaining focused on preaching the gospel to make sure that people understood that he wasn't drawing followers after himself but he and that he wasn't getting caught up in these side things, but that Christ was being exalted and Christ was being honored. And so we, as we continue on, we'll begin picking up in verse 17. But one thing I do want to point out is that when we are studying the Word of God, we, we want to make sure that we are we, we ask for the Lord's blessing and for the Lord to, to lead us in that because we can't understand the Bible, but it takes the Holy Spirit to to reveal those things to us, to really give us understanding, not just of what the text means, but how it applies to us. And at chapter two, we'll deal with that more specifically. And uh, it doesn't have to be real long, but recognizing and admitting to the Lord that we need his uh, guidance. And so let's, let's do that before we begin. Dear Father, we thank you for your word that you have given, how you have preserved it, and for how it applies to our lives today. And we ask for your Holy Spirit to guide us and to impress it upon our hearts. Christ and I pray, amen. All right, so picking up there in verse 17, we read this. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not in cleverness of speech, so that the cross of Christ would not be made void. For the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved. Christ, the power, it is, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the cleverness of the clever I will set aside. Where is the wise man? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. For indeed, Jews ask for signs and Greeks search for wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to Jews a some excuse me a second. To Jews a stumbling block and to Gentiles foolishness. But to those but to those who are the called, both Jews and mm, the Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. And one important thing that this passage also points out that some uh, translations may have a section heading that sort of breaks up that passage and that can affect our, our seeing the flow of thought, but we shouldn't. We should just see 
this is one continue continuous letter as it, Paul originally wrote it. And so we want to uh, to see that that flow of flow of thought, how he's pointing and he's focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's beginning to transition now into one of their issues of another issue of their pride they had dealing with wisdom. And in the Greek world at the time, wisdom was a highly sought after uh, a thing they were searching for. Not wisdom in just the sort of common sense wisdom, but these schools of philosophy or these highly intellectual, abstract forms of thought. And something even crept into the church, and the, the believers were beginning to trust in that almost and take sense of pride of who they were based upon these uh, philosophies. Some were, were dangerous. Some uh, philosophies said that there was a separation of the soul and the spirit, uh, the, the spirit and, and the body. And because of that, some of that led into the, 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 some of the liberal theology that they had and how that separated their practice from what they believed. Other ones basically said everything dealing with the body was wrong. And these schools of philosophy were things that they were beginning to take pride in and to, to think, to exalt themselves or these other intellectual concepts that they had and were taking pride that I understand this. I understand I'm part of this elite group. And instead of focusing upon Christ and seeing the simplicity of the gospel. And really when we look at the gospel as it explained in chapter 15 and in Romans 10 and other places, it's a, it's this is the gospel message is fairly simple that Christ died for our sins. He was buried. He rose again. That he is alive. And those simple points are what the gospel message is about. But sometimes we can get distracted by that. We can start adding other things uh, to the gospel and thinking that our own version of Christianity is the true version and we begin to take a sense of pride. The issue is when we do that, we start trusting in our own uh, intellectual abilities or in a specific man-made philosophy system. If it may appear good, we actually begin to lose understanding and miss what God is really calling us to and what, what God's will is. And the citation that Paul gives here in these verses is from Isaiah 29, which is a really insightful uh, passage. If you go back and look at what the context was, there are a few different messages there in Isaiah 29, but the one that he's specifically citing is looks like Isaiah 29, 9, verse 9 through 14. And in there... God was speaking through Isaiah the prophet to his people, Israel, and was saying that because of their disobedience, they weren't going to understand the word of God. They weren't going to understand the message. They thought they were. They thought they were doing all these great things. He even says that they honor, honored him with their lips. But because of their disobedience, they, they weren't going to understand what God's true will was because they were trusting themselves and they didn't really care, weren't looking to the Lord and seeking, truly seeking to follow him. Similar thing was happening with the unbelieving Jews in Paul's day. He says in, in Romans 10, verse 2, he says, For I testify about them that they have a zeal for God, but not in accordance with knowledge. And he goes on to explain that they, they missed that because they missed Christ. They, uh, those who, who had rejected him, they, they thought they were serving the Lord, they thought they were doing all these great things, but they were trusting in their own efforts, not trusting in Christ. And so Paul is calling back uh, the, the believers back here in, in 1 Corinthians as we're looking at this passage to focus upon the Lord Jesus Christ, this simple gospel. He's like, it was not because of anything that you have done, any high intellectual philosophy or abstract thought uh, pattern or uh, system that you came up with or you learned that saved you. 
it was faith in Christ alone and what God's message, which is so, in a way, it's so simple to, to the wise of the world, it almost seems foolish. But we can't uh, miss this. We have to realize that Christ must be kept at the center of all of life and that we must make sure that we are maintaining that pure, simple gospel message. And we can fall into this trap today. We may not fall into the same philosophies that they fell into, that the Corinthians struggled with, but there's there's some debates within the Christian church that are forms of pride and can miss some of the fullness of of God and what he has revealed if we focus upon one aspect of, of this argument, and I'll get to in a moment, and at, at the expense of others and start taking a pride in it. For instance, the whole Calvinism versus, a sovereignty of God versus a free will debate or King James only translations versus other translations. There are valid points on both sides, but when we isolate one at the expense of the other or take something to an extreme, we begin to miss some of the fullness of what God has revealed about himself and about us through his word and what we ought to do. And because what, when we do that, we start taking pride in those things, we're trusting in ourselves and our own ability, our own intellect, our own school of philosophy, if you will, even if we didn't come up with it, if we're just embracing what someone else has told us. But we've lost sight of Christ. And when we do that, so much can start to go awry in our personal lives, but also within the local church. And so Paul is, is calling us back to make sure that we are relying upon the, the, the pure gospel. We're not adding to it. We're not trusting it in our own intellect. And there's some more features of that in this section that we read, which we'll get into more in future podcasts. But the, the overarching point here that Paul is making is saying, remember, it was the pure gospel of Christ that saved you. It wasn't embraced by the world. Uh, unbelieving Jews, they stumble because they're looking for signs. The, the Greeks, they're searching for this higher form of, of wisdom. But he says, but Christ, as he says there in verse 24, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. That's what saves us, and that is what gives us the power to live this this life for His glory. So again, just a, kind of an overview. Maybe we'll dig into some more specifics, some of these verses uh, next week, oh, Lord willing. This week I wanted to share about the book From God to Us by Norman Giesler and uh, William E. Nix. This was an, an excellent book describing so much about how we got the Bible and even into to modern translations now. It is a, quite, is a long book. But it can even be used as, as a reference book. Even if you don't want to sit down and read the whole thing through all the all the way through, that could that could take some time. But even as a reference work, I think it has a great value there. It's, it's broken into to four parts, and the first one deals with the matter of inspiration, how we know that the Bible really is inspired and the Word of God. Part two is about canonization, making sure that the books that are in the Bible today really are the ones that are supposed to be there, and there's not any extra books out there but that the, what we can have realized that the bible that we have really is the complete bible then there's stuck with uh, trans part three is about transmission about how the bible was basically preserved throughout time and brought to us today through the different manuscripts and the text types and, and how the scribes uh, made the copies and then part four is about translation and the last few chapters deal with some of the modern translations and sort of giving a, an overview uh, of the different translations that are out there so it doesn't go into as much detail in that aspect, but this is a great overview of the subject of how we got the Bible and how that affect, how that affects the translations that we have today, uh, which ones are formal equivalents, functional equivalents, what that uh, what that means, 
and what what translations fall into those categories and stuff. So this is it's a good book. I would definitely recommend it for someone who's wanting to maybe dig down into some more details uh, about this subject of how we got the Bible and and looking to different tra- modern translations that we have, trying to choose those. And it's, it may not be for everyone. This is a little bit of a heavier book, but it, I, I really enjoyed it, really appreciated the perspective and just the overview of the subject. And so I would definitely recommend it. Once again, it's from God to Us. I read the revised and expanded edition, and it's by Norman Giesler and William E. Nix, and I'll put the uh, link there in the description. In the first segment of the podcast this week, we uh, read this passage of scripture from 1 Corinthians where Paul cites Isaiah 29, which brings up an interesting point about Bible studies unique to the New Testament. It is that these New Testament authors, they're citing the Old Testament, and they may just cite like one or two verses or even kind of a, a compilation of a few verses drawn from several different places, just kind of strings of citations. And we look at that and we think we understand, we can think that we understand what the point was. But if we take the time to do a little research to find out what the citation is from and go back and look at what the what was the original context? What was God's original message to his people as it, in Isaiah 29, for example, in verses 9 through 14? What was he saying? He talks about the uh, Jesus cited this passage as well in talking with the Pharisees about how they had invalidated the word of God, as it says, I think it was Matthew 15. And looking at there, what he, what was the original message and what was God calling his people back to? Because it's really insightful. Isaiah 29 there, in that, that passage, he was saying these people were thinking they understood, thinking they understood what God wanted. They were honoring him with their words. But it says that their, their reverence for him, the reverence for me can uh, the reverence for me was contained was based upon basically tradition learned by rote. That phrase tradition learned by rote is really an interesting one to go back and to think about what are we, how are we meant how do we have the attitude today? Is our worship of God uh, based just upon tradition and things that we learn that we think we're really worshiping God or serving him because we've carried on these certain practices? It is are we trusting in those things, or are we really seeking to understand what God's message is, and and being follow and being led by the Spirit and following after Him? And there, there are so many examples to this, and they're not going to to radically change how we uh, inter- how we view the New Testament uh, passage where it's cited at, but it gives more of a fullness to it that where if someone makes a reference uh, to something, ha- understanding the original context does add a, a greater value to it. Uh, yes, uh, Sunday, we were staying after church with some friends, and someone was talking about a meme. It was, I guess, a, like a picture from a movie and that we hadn't seen. They're like, well, okay, you might get some of it here, but you'd, it'd be funnier if you actually had seen the movie. And s- example of just understanding what the original context was gives a fuller meaning or drives the point home more uh, than when it's, when it's cider used. And that was just a secular example that we use today. It's this principle remains true with scripture as well. So I encourage you as we're looking through scripture and we come to passages where it's cited in the Old Testament, take some time to look it up. A lot of time, some Bibles will have a cross-reference that will show the reference where that's drawn from. Uh, sometimes just even doing a Google search will help show that up. There are a lot of places, websites out there that will have that will show where uh, the citation was so like show like okay here in First Corinthians one he's citing Isaiah twenty nine and give the reference and show that and so I would encourage you to do that 
and give us more of a fuller understanding of what God's message was. Again, it's not going to radically change things, but helps us understand more of what the original audience would have understand, what Paul's audience, especially his Jewish audience, would have understood. They would have been well-versed in, in known Isaiah 29, and they would understand what the context of what he was pointing out there. So one aspect of Bible study for us to consider is to uh, take the time, do a little research, and look at the Old Testament citations and their original context and allow that to help us understand more of how the point was being driven home. So I appreciate you listening to the podcast this week, and uh, hopefully we'll dig into some more examples about uh, Old Testament citations in future episodes and other aspects of Bible study and other aspects of how application in our own lives, of how we keep Christ at the center and how we use that as a filter to uh, approve certain things or the convictions that we hold or certain things that we allow into our lives. So. Uh, Once again, thanks for listening to the podcast, and until next week, read the Word and take your stand. This has been Take Your Stand, the podcast of Here I Stand Ministries. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode, and if you enjoy what you heard here, we ask that you would leave us a good review on your favorite podcast platform, tell others about the podcast, and check out our website at hisministries.com. Scripture quotations have been from the NASB, the New American Standard Bible, Copyright 1971-1995 by the Lachman Foundation. Used by permission. All rights reserved.